Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. We'll be looking at Acts chapter 2 this morning. We'll be looking at the very first church, the, the church in Jerusalem. Now, we want to see here at, at Woburn uh, a revitalized church. We want to see uh, us come back to life to be va- vibrant, to be reaching people in our community, to be serving. We want to see a movement of God here. We want to see a revival. If you, if you want to see a revival, say amen. 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 I think one of the things we need to do to see revival, to see God work, is to be like the early church. Now, the early church, it wasn't without error. It wasn't perfect. We see the story after this one that we're going to look at. There was an Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira, they were a part of this early church. And, you know, they, they saw what was going on that was good. And they wanted to, wanted to be praised for joining in and uh, giving generously, but they held some back, and they said they gave everything, and they lied, and God struck them dead. So the early church had problems, but I think God gives us a pattern here in Acts chapter 2 of what we should be about, about what we should make our priorities if if we want to be a revitalized church, or see revival in our church. Let's read, starting in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and and belongings and distributing them to all who had, sorry, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness, glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number Day by day, those who were being saved. Let's pray. God, we we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see what your word has to say to us. Lord, give us hearts that are willing to obey. Lord, we pray that, uh, Lord, your spirit would be working among us here. Lord, that we would see amazing things. Lord, that awe would fall upon us because what we see you doing among us. Father, be with me. I'm weak, but you are strong. Lord, I pray that uh, you would give me strength to preach your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
This takes place in the second chapter of Acts, and let's back up a little bit to see the story of Acts unfold. You know, you have, have each of the Gospels, and particularly Luke is the one that uh, is connected with Acts. And the Gospels tell about the life of Jesus, they tell about His death and His resurrection, they tell about some of the early witnesses of His resurrection, and there in the very beginning of Acts you see... Jesus is there with His disciples and He tells them that they're going to be His witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. And then after He tells them this, He promises them the Holy Spirit again, and after He tells them this, He begins to rise up into the air. Miraculously. He, he just begins to rise into the air and He ascends into heaven. The apostles, they wait. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And when the Holy Spirit comes down, they hear a rushing wind. They hear the sound, of, uh, the, they see the, these flaming tongues come, come down. And they land upon everybody's head and they start speaking in different languages. And there's people there from all different parts of the known world. People speaking all kinds of different languages. And so that the gospel is able to go forth from that day of Pentecost, that day, to all these different tribes, to all these different people from different languages because of this sign that God gave there on the birthday of the church. And after that, Peter preaches this sermon and we see that 3,000 souls were saved. What did the early church give itself to? What was their secret? How, how, how did they see so many people saved? Well, once we, we can say, you know, well, that was the early church. You know, they had the apostles there. They did all kinds of miracles. I don't think that's something that we can reproduce today. God can surely do miracles. He can answer our prayers. That's not something that we can put a formula to and try to reproduce. It's totally within God's prerogative. You know, we're praying for people for healing. When the Spirit is among us and we're praying, God can work and He can... Heal those who were praying. He can answer our prayers. And people will see that and be amazed at what God is doing. But what are the things that we can do? The things that we can imitate the early church? The first thing we see is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They have devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They, when they would meet together, they would study the scriptures now, we don't have the apostles here today, but they wrote down for us their teachings. We have the Gospels. We have their letters. We have the, the book of Acts here that we're preaching from. These are the apostles' teachings. This is what they devoted themselves to. And this is what we ought to devote ourselves to, to, to be about the Word of God, to be studying it. 
Both privately and corporately. That's what we ought to be about here when we meet together for gathered worship. To be devoted to the word of God. To the apostles teaching. The second thing it says that they were devoted to was to fellowship. To fellowship. They cared for one another. They spent time with one another. It kind of spells that out a little bit more and it says they devoted them to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. They would eat together. And then you follow down a little bit further. In uh, verse 46, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with gladness and generous hearts. They spent time not only together in the temple, but they spent time together in each other's homes. Do we spend, spend time together in each other's homes? Do we have small groups of believers that come together and meet and study the scripture together and pray together and meet one another's needs together? The early church did. They were in each other's homes day by day, each day. They would meet together in the temple, yet they would also meet together in each other's homes. That breaking of bread. It's kind of unclear about which that is meaning. It could be talking, it could be talking about that eating together, although it mentions that later. It could also be talking about the Lord's Supper. They were a worshiping church. They worshipped together. They broke bread. They participated in the Lord's Supper. And they also prayed together. Do we meet sometimes just to pray? Just to get together and pray and just devote ourselves, like it says here, devote ourselves to praying for one another, to praying for the needs of our congregation, to pray for the lost, to pray for whatever God lays on our hearts to pray for. These are the kinds of things that the early church devoted themselves to. When they did this, when they devoted themselves to the the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to worship, to prayer, what was the response? Awe came upon every soul. People were amazed. And they saw many signs and wonders. Maybe those can be answers to prayer. When we pray for healing, God can answer our prayers. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This text is a controversial one. It's gotten misinterpreted throughout the years. Some have used this as a justification for a a kind of a communal living like like a communism. But there's a big difference between this and communism. First of all, communism, a a, a socialism kind of system, is, is one that is by force. Yet what we see here is that they were willingly giving of their own things. And in the story of Ananias and Sapphira, they 
Uh, they, they lied about what they gave, and, but they, they said they gave all, but they, they withheld some. They, they didn't get into trouble because they withheld some. They, they, did, they, they got into trouble because they lied about it. P- Peter had told Ananias and Sapphira, you know, what, you, what you gave, wasn't it, already, wasn't it yours before? Why did you go on and lie about it? They still maintained property ownership. They didn't lose any sense of, of that. Yet they were generous. You know, that's something that should characterize us. Not that we would sell all of our things and put it in a collective pot and take care of everybody's needs that way. But when we see a need, we need to, we need to go be above and beyond to try to meet the needs of the people that we have. We need to be generous with our things as a way of loving our brothers and sisters here in the church. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They were an evangelistic church too. They were sharing the gospel. You know, people aren't going to get saved unless they're sharing the gospel. We're, it's kind of implied here. If the Lord's adding to their number day by day, then they must have been sharing the gospel day by day. Not just on Sunday, but day by day everywhere they went. They were sharing the gospel and the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. So they, they were a church that was devoted to the apostles' teaching, to, to the Scripture, to studying Scripture. They were a church that was devoted to fellowship, spending time together, spending time together, both together as we gather for worship and as uh, in each other's homes. They were a church that was devoted to worship. They prayed together. And they were a church that was devoted to evangelism. That's the kind of church that we should be. Wouldn't you like to be this kind of church? To be, have these kinds of things said about us. To hear, boy, the Lord is adding to them daily those who are being saved. Boy, they, they just love to spend time together, don't they? Spending time with each other in their houses and, and together when they meet here. Those are the kinds of things we want to hear said about us, aren't they? Let's say something about application. We want to be revitalized. We, we want to, to be able to be effectively reaching our community and, and those around us. The guy who's in charge of uh, church revitalization for the, for the North American Mission Board used to be my pastor. And... Uh, one of the things that he shared with me while I was still there in Kansas City, when a church is first planted, when they, when they first start, they're all about the mission. They, they, they have a focus on reaching the community, and, and, and they don't have time for all the different programs that we seem to add on to a church. They, they focus on the worship time, they, they focus on 
fellowship together throughout the week. And they focus on serving. But see, as a church grows, we begin to add different ministries here and there. You, you add a, a children's ministry, you add a youth ministry, you add uh, 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 all kinds of different ministries. And, and so, but you do that as you grow with people. And you have plenty of people to keep all those ministries going and all those plates spinning. But what happens whenever a church begins to shrink in size? Can you continue to keep all the plates going when you were 100 people that you, when you, whenever you're down to 30 or 15? You can't do all the things that you could before. But we don't like to say no to things. We don't like to, to cut programs out or things like that. I'm convinced that a part of church revitalization is we have to learn to say no to the things that are outside of our mission. We have to devote ourselves to the things that are really, really the most important. And as we grow, as we get more people, we, we can add those things again. But what happens when we, when we try to have all kinds of things going on the si- when we were the size of what we used to be? We wear ourselves out. We wear ourselves out, don't we? And we start to complain. Well, why doesn't anybody do this? Or why, why am I always the one that's here for this or that? Well, it's because there's not anybody left. We don't have enough people to do all those things. This is probably not something we wanted to hear. One of the keys to revitalizing a church is simplifying. Focusing back on the mission. Getting back to the thing that drove us when we started. We worship together. We fellowship together. And we serve together. There at the church where we were in Kansas City, they they simplified their strategy in something that was easily remembered. They called it W plus 2. I think that worked pretty well with us too. It was called... The W stood for worship. Their priority was their worship time together each Sunday. They prioritized the worship time. They wanted every member to be there at the worship time. And then the plus two, the first of the plus two is the, is the fellowship. It's the gospel community groups that they got into. Sometime throughout the work that, the week, they wanted every single member to be a part of some kind of small group, whether it was in a home or whether it met at the church building or something. You know, we we have something like that. We do. We, we have our meeting on Thursday nights. That can be part of that gospel community that we we meet together for fellowship. So, W worship. The plus two is. Uh, getting together as fellowship for uh, gospel community. And then the, the third, the, 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 uh, the second one of the plus two is service. Just having a lifestyle of service. That can be in, in serving here in the church's ministry, in, in, in uh, d- taking care of the building, that can be in uh, taking care of the grounds, that can be in teaching Sunday school or uh, different kinds of things like that. But it can also be outside of our walls. It can be... 
participating in different kinds of, of things and alleviating uh, the poor and things like, like that. Taking care of, uh, of kids um, that don't have a place to go after, after, uh, after they get out of school, waiting until their parents get home. There's lots of different ways where we can have a lifestyle of service and we don't, have to, we don't necessarily have to have everything done here. Sometimes maybe whenever we talk about the things that we need to do, what I have said in the past and what I, what I say may seem like kind of a foreign idea. But this is where it's coming from. I think we need to have a simplified way of looking at how we do church. Instead of wearing everybody out by expecting everybody to be at every single thing that we do, have a simplified strategy. You know, young people, we want young people to come. We want young families to come and be a part of us. But you know what young families have? They've got soccer, they've got softball, they've got all kinds of different things that their kids are involved in in school. And then we want them to come two or three more times during the week. I think a simplified strategy is what we need. Focus on the main things. Focus on those most important things. And we can do that by prioritizing our worship time together, prioritizing getting together sometime during the week for some kind of gospel community where, where we get together, share our prayer needs, we look into the scripture together, and we care for one another in that way. And then we have a lifestyle of service. If you're already active in all kinds of things outside of the church, should we really expect you to just carry on another thing? You're already being obedient to what God wants you to do in service. This may seem a little bit backwards, but I think it's key to what God wants a church to do. It's get back to the mission. Get back to these very things the early church did. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.